I'm in it. So we just got to go until we podcast. It starts yeah. out cool, and then it starts out cool. And Wait, then it okay. Gets I real actually sweaty. is that a Kurtzgesagt calendar? Kurtzgesagt. Kurtzgesagt. It is. Do you notice that it's also on February still? I did yeah. <laughs> for several months. I've noticed. Sunday scaries. I, I was I didn't figure it out until I watched a Kurtz Gesagt video recently. Kurtz yeah, it's Kurt, one of my favorite YouTube channels. Great stuff. Yeah, shout out Kurtz But Gesagt. I like saw it and I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should flip that. <laughs> Just to give the the semblance like, no. I, like I spend any time in here besides like when we record. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm just still so traumatized from my like my work from home job that I just avoid this room still like oh, no. at all costs. Mm. I know this looks like a comfy room. Oh, it is super comfy. He like, has I mean, a, a full drum set, yeah. a piano, several guitars, a nice little workstation with some audio monitors, yeah. and a sleek library. Yeah, that also needs to get organized. It's been Travis has some corporate trauma locked up in this room it's don't still, we all yeah it's <laughs> bubbling yeah, yeah it's it's weird it's like uh yeah it's like living in a haunted house except the haunting was my relationship with the bureaucracy of america <laughs> you oh. and the rest of america <laughs> the rest of white collar america yeah uh hey guys it's sunday scaries i'm travis i'm tyler what's up i'm daniel daniel's here today back hey guys daniel back with again. daniel after Sorry, so hey long. y'all hey and uh for the first time on the podcast congratulations man yes you'll ha- you'll catch me <laughs> saying my wife instead of my fiance mm. yes so anyone who actually listens to this my wife one of one of them my will wife know. yeah the only thing someone ever <laughs> told me was like you know the great best part about being married is you get to make borat jokes and <laughs> i did i did once on my wedding night and she looked me dead in the eyes and she goes you get one <laughs> And like that was period <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oops you had one and that was yeah, it. yeah. you yeah. get one that's it yeah take uh, note tyler <laughs> uh we took mind. a break and we're back and uh this week what did we watch guys we watched the exorcist three, three. this time you're going to lose the Terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. Yes. So good. Finally, mm-hmm. the time has come. I've been leading, I've been really excited about this one for a really long time. And You've I think been hyping it up big time. I've been hyping it up, and I, I was trying, I, I at the risk of overhyping it, I feel like, because uh, this was like both of y'all's first time mm-hmm. seeing yep. this one mm-hmm. right yeah what first takes what's your interpretation like what do you think i i might have overhyped it i don't know i was a big fan yeah i, was, I loved it i was not exposed to the hype i missed that part so yeah, i was maybe like was i went in pretty blind been, yeah. hyping it up to me yeah that's true well because you've been reading air. you were reading legion yeah i was reading um, the book that this was based on yeah william yeah. peter blatty's blatty's legion legion, um, legion. which was yeah. supposed to be the title yeah. of this film which I feel like we'll kind of get into a bit mm-hmm. about how much the studio kind of fucked with Blatty. Oh, yeah. We should, we should um, give them the plot, just like the paragraph summary. Yeah. So people know so what the hell we're talking the about. The Exorcist 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for people that don't know, obviously, like, The Exorcist is one of the most famous, famous like, you know, horror movies of all time. Uh, this is the third one. Yeah, this <laughs> is the the uh, the third movie in uh, the... In uh, the Exorcist universe. Yeah, the trilogy, William Peter Blatty's... Uh, uh, 
Fallen like Angel trilogy. What is it called? There's there's a proper term for it, and I forget what it is now. I think it is Fallen um, Angel. Something. Yeah, it's uh, basically which up. includes uh, The Exorcist, 1973, uh, The Exorcist 2, Heretic in 1978, um, and then much later, 1990, uh, The mm-hmm. Exorcist 3, um, Legion. Um, based Faith on trilogy. Faith Trilogy, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, so William Peter Blatty is a novelist responsible for uh, the plots, screenplays, and stories of all three movies. Um, but this third one is actually his, uh, like, one of his only directing credits as well. So yeah, we can kind of get into like the the production hell here in a second. But to summarize, um, so The Exorcist One is all about Reagan, right? A little girl gets possessed by. Um, a demon, uh, and we follow uh, the the journey of uh, Father Damien Karras, who is a uh, a Jesuit psychologist who um, part- participates in the uh, the exorcism of Reagan, and uh, and at at the end of the movie passes away along with Max von Sydow, who plays Father Marin. Yeah, he um, like absorbs. He mm-hmm. take, he gets he takes the demon from the daughter and mm-hmm. then leaps out of a window. Exactly, <laughs> like take me instead. So the plot of uh, the Exorcist Three, the movie that we just watched. Uh, takes place 15 years later. Uh, in this movie, we are following uh, William Kinderman, who is a uh, detective uh, that showed up in the um, the very first movie as more of like an auxiliary character uh, who was kind of investigating um, the murder, death, suicide, questionable demise of uh, the caretaker of Reagan. Um, and in the process of doing that, sort of uncovers or has a small role in the uh, the events of the first Exorcist movie. Um, in this movie, uh, 15 years later, he's sort of dealing with uh, the... Um, the the residual memories from the the death of Father Damien Karras from the first Exorcist movie, um, and then also happening upon uh, a couple of different murders uh, that appear to be uh, committed by a, a a famous killer called the Gemini Killer, who was supposed to have uh, been executed 15 years previously. Um, so we follow Doctor, or we follow uh, Detective Kinderman as he goes through and uncovers uh, increasingly violent and mysterious murders, and then also deals with the reappearance of uh, an insane mental patient who claims to be the Gemini Killer. Um, and basically, what happens in the movie is we find that the Gemini Killer, uh, who was ex- executed who on was the same night that Damien Karras was killed, Karras killed. Uh, is was was helped by the demons that were formerly possessing Reagan uh, into the body of Damien Karras. And then in the process of doing that also gained some kind of supernatural affiliation with, you know, demonic forces and the ability to possess other people um, to commit murders on his behalf. Uh, leads to a, a world of trouble and mystery and one of the what I think is one of the greatest sort of like supernatural horror crime thrillers yeah. uh, of all time. Um it's yeah. like emphasis on the on the mystery of it all. Exactly. <laughs> really trying to figure out uh, like who is the because the Gemini killer is supposed to be dead. Exactly. Who's, who's committing these murders? Yeah, and mm. I think this is you know also uh, the delays that we had in this. You know, we we did get to watch this at peak Gemini season too. Uh, it was yeah, it was the end of Gemini season, which I thought was was coincidental on it and and, and fitting for this uh, this movie. Um, but this is also a great one, I think. Like so, in the lineup for this this first series, we did on demons and on ghosts and possessions. Obviously, we had to do an Exorcist movie, um, and I think this is one of the best ones to do. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think like it's I don't know, it, it competes with the first Exorcist movie in my 
mind for like the best exorcist movie um and i think it's also a good parallel to have after having seen the conjuring three which was another episode that we did because this is how you do a demonic supernatural crime thriller the right way i think mm-hmm. um and it has so much more to offer than that movie did and i think we can get into it not in like christian superhero it ed, is. ed and lorraine warren yeah actually no i'll hit it right now like so the main thing like i the the what I found in the process of rewatching the first Exorcist movie and the second one, and then watching this, um, and then reading the book and kind of reflecting on what, like what I love so much about this movie, as opposed to, you know, the conjuring three and like what, cause arguably very similar ideas, right. You're dealing with like, you know, um, mysterious, well, I guess in the, in the conjuring three, like they, they have their, their murderer and they know like how it happened. And they're just trying to prove that the demon exists. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's, it's much more mysterious. And then also like the main through line through it is that in both in the book. And I think this is portrayed in the movie fairly well is that the main character isn't oh, like, explicitly religious like he's dealing with a crisis of faith or you know his relationship with with spirituality and the supernatural um and is approaching everything from a very analytical angle which i think serves the mystery of the plot so much better um Mm -hmm. i think i would argue to say that he is doing his best to frame this in the most non-religious way possible yeah um especially once you get in his some of his uh conversations he has with the father dyer mm-hmm. character who was also involved in the whole situation with karis and reagan right um he explicitly tells him several times that like would your god do this yeah exactly and i think that's something that like you know uh we can get into this in a little bit but like things in the book that uh maybe weren't carried over into the movie as much which i thought was interesting considering the making of this movie which maybe we can go ahead and just kind of talk about um so mm-hmm. like you and i daniel were talking about this beforehand uh, the william peter blatty the author uh, of the book that this is based on and uh, also who authored the screenplay for the first movie um there was he he hadn't really wanted to make a sequel to um you know the first or the second one but there was a story that w- that kind of popped into his head um that he you know he had a story going uh and then once you know pressed by you know studios and the powers that be he he came up with you know the the script and the the plot of this movie um which ended up kind of falling into a, a production hell and he he basically instead of you know turning into a screenplay he basically went like the backwards route like this movie kind of almost started out as a screen as a movie as a screenplay and then kind of reverse became he was like all right i'll just write the book like and so he wrote the book um legion uh on which this movie is based uh which then once the book was written and became a New York Times Times bestseller, um, there was more, uh, I guess, enthusiasm behind actually producing a movie uh, based on the book. Um, so this whole like production circle that it goes into, you talked about you know, the various studios like yeah. messing with him and stuff, and kind of attaching different directors, different uh, yeah. Actors Originally, to it. too, he got William Friedkin on board to do mm-hmm. it, who, who directed the, the first movie. Yeah, the infamous director of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, that didn't work out, um, so eventually he struck a deal. But I was trying to remember if it was Friedkin that they like came up with the ending together eventually kind of like it says like they like had creative differences but they parted mm-hmm. ways amicably so they were just kind of like eh, it's not for me yeah and i think because i think Friedkin has a writing credit on this movie yeah uh, i think it was i'm pretty sure it was him because yeah. i remember reading it being like well oh, that sounds like a really easy right. way to walk away from 
from the, from all of that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like in, in the late 80s, right, um, as this is still sort of spinning around in the purgatory of, you know, production hell, um, it uh, there was also rumors of John Carpenter directing it. That's at one what time. it was. Yeah. yeah. Which can you imagine? Like, I don't know. I, I love this movie the way it yeah. is, but a universe where John Carpenter directs this in between doing, so this is 1988. What, what he would have been doing escape from LA, like around this time, or uh, I'm trying to remember I, I where in his career that would be. They live is a little too earlier. So it says on the Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. citing my source here that go. he, um, he liked the script. Like at one point, uh, John Carpenter was attached, mm-hmm. but when it became pretty clear that Blatty wanted to direct exactly. it himself, Carpenter bowed out yeah. and was like, well, you care about this more than me. You should yeah. do it. And that's what I, I, that's what I was thinking of is like, that's the nicest possible way right. to be like, no, I think you like this more than yeah. you should do this. Which is crazy, right? Because he's, he's an, I mean, not that, you know, I, I don't think that authors or writers can direct, but it's like, and obviously, you know, you have writer directors all the time, but it's like, he, he wasn't a director, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't a director going into this movie yeah. and he, they were just like, well, you have an idea. Like he wrote, I mean the book and like he knows exactly how he wants the scenes to go and how he wants the story to go. So I guess it makes sense, but it's just like, that was one of the most fascinating things to me about like the production of this movie, especially given that it, you know, the quality of this movie, given the fact that it's not like a, you know, a seasoned career director. Yeah. So, so to name it too, like he made the movie the way he wanted to. And when he brought it back to the studio, they realized that there wasn't an exorcism in a movie called the exorcist <laughs> yeah. three. Which um, there's like a story. That. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a story where like <laughs> the, the CEO's like yeah. executive assistant was like, why is it called the exorcist? There's no exorcism. And the guy was like, wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> wait, uh, we told him to call it that. Yeah. So Blatty has a story, I guess from what I've like read, Blatty has said that, uh, the director, said that um, he wanted the original ending. The studio wanted to do this, like, gonzo exorcism, what we ha- what you have, like what we saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Special effects. Budget, and so they were like kind of, like, at loggerheads. And he, Blatty was like, well, in my contract, it says I get to do it I, my ending. But if we do uh, a testing, like a test to, to an audience test to see how it plays, the studio, if the test goes poorly, the studio gets the, the opportunity to, to force this on me. And he said that, like, he was like, okay, we'll do it. And they did the test, but the studio tested it at like, like 2 a.m. Yeah. and like found strangers off the street and brought them in to like, he literally compared them to zombies. He was like, they brought in like <laughs> zombies off the street to watch this movie and tell us what they thought. And he was like, the next day they were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do our ending. And that's how you have this, like the last, what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes of that movie is like a complete, like a switch flips. Yeah. Climactic exorcist. Which he's yeah. kind of totally, nice about. Cause yeah. like, he's not like they ruined my movie. Uh, but there is like a director's cut. I think, yeah, that's and very, very which different. Wasn't released until what, like twenty sixteen? Yeah, yeah. The there was all of that. Told him, oh, that footage has gone. been destroyed, right? Yeah. And then like his estate a year is... before he died. And yeah, it gets it gets funnier because uh, that story has been around for a while, and mm-hmm. someone cut the movie, recut the movie without the exorcism scene, and just with available with existing footage. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like they don't. It's not a director's cut, but they have like a joking like title for it. Yeah. And it played so well that eventually, I don't remember who, but one of the actors like opened for that cut of the movie at a film festival, mm-hmm. and it finally got on enough like on enough genre like film blogs and all these other people's like radars that they were like starting to push for it, and, and that's where like, like this like idea of a director's cut even came from. Yeah. So it was like this goofy like YouTube edit. Yeah, because someone made the movie. That whole that whole supernatural religious exorcism mm-hmm. yeah. portion out completely yeah and when just, the priest i, I just I, cut and tape yeah. those two sections of film yeah. together 
And it would be perfectly fine. Yeah, it's perfectly yeah. fine. But I, I will say, I do love the way that that priest busts in like a fucking badass at the end of the yeah, movie. Like, with, when that door no, slams like... open and he's like, it's business time, motherfuckers. So with I his know. purple, like, And I thought I had shawl. missed something. Yeah. I was watching the whole time and I was like, wait, what? what it is he... noticeably abrupt, what? right? Yeah. yeah, and they really don't preface it much. Yeah. I think they bring up Father Morning like one time. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody tells Kinderman, like, in passing, they reference Father passing, Mary. Like, yeah. yeah, go, we should talk to Father Morning. He's an experienced. Right. He like, yeah. did a thousand exorcisms mm-hmm. in the Philippines or something. And that's yeah. all they say. And yeah, then he yeah, just yeah. rolls up out of nowhere. He's like John Constantine's it kind <laughs> of. Yeah. It like, is, like, it should have been smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, given that we, we were comparing this to The Conjuring 3, that is the most, like, superhero moment of the, like, of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, the Christian superhero. And it's, like, but a it completely is, like, a, reshot ending. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. tonal. There is, a, there is a noticeable tonal shift there. Yeah. Because how do you think, like, th- so as far as, you, you know, for your first watching, how did you feel, like, tonally, like, this movie, like, played as a, you know, especially as a horror movie um, throughout it? Because it does, especially for a movie, I feel like, made in the 90s, you know, it, it does play as as a, as a crime procedural crime you know thriller you know throughout yeah. right. Um, I mean, for the majority until very near the end, where they start throwing all the exorcism stuff in, it felt much more like a yeah like a psychological crime thriller like mm-hmm. a, like a Seven or a, you yeah. Know, that, um, I'm glad you said that. That's what I was I was telling yeah with like vaguely religious yeah it's like yes yeah seven but without the seven deadly sins just like mm-hmm. a seven s killer i was God, telling seven or prisoners travis or something earlier like uh this movie now it kind of like this is it shouldn't be done but if someone were to make this movie um if someone were to make this movie what they should do like i could see this being a great fincher movie like david fincher mm-hmm. who's done seven who's done zodiac exactly like because it's literally it's zodiac, zodiac which yeah. is the idea <laughs> of the gemini, gemini killer <laughs> is based off of yeah do you guys want to talk about the gemini killer for a second uh so like this fictional yeah. killer right mm-hmm. in this movie is kind of based on the zodiac yeah. killer um as, as body admits but we stuff. can't call him zodiac you killer, can't call so him just, gemini. Uh, pick one yeah right what day is pick it? one yeah. of the <laughs> pick one of the zodiacs yeah. yeah his uh his calling card is is inscribing the symbol of the Gemini, the twins, on the palm of his victims. Right, but he, what does he do? He like cuts their heads off, replaces it with the head of like, a of angel a statue, statue yeah. of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. and then he um, also, but that's the funny thing is like, so we have like the Gemini killings that take place in the events of this movie, and then there's also like his calling cards that Kinderman recognizes from, right. which we're getting all of this 15 years after it happened. Yeah, so right. there's like so a he was postpartum kind of like, yeah, that he was. A, it's like us learning about the Zodiac killer now. We're like, mm. oh, that's wild. But yeah. like he, Kinderman was one of the police who lived in mm-hmm. who like they killed him they like yeah. they executed him yeah and his calling card is is removing like a finger i think too yeah it's, a, it's like and... the first finger on the mm-hmm. left hand yeah um, there's like a whole there's a great moment which i kind of love mm-hmm. um because it says it's good police work mm-hmm. uh where he talks about that detail he's like it's actually the left hand we told the press it was the right hand so we could weed Eliminate out the any, cranks uh, from the real yeah. people yeah that way we know if they were if they had real information they would know it was on the left hand not the right and mm-hmm. that would be information worth following yeah. and it's like i bet you police still kind of do that or like it's oh, definitely yeah. like one way to false information to the public people oh, yeah. yeah to get them to confess yeah. things <laughs> well, there's that route too yeah <laughs> um but we were talking about this beforehand too about like the the nature of the killings in this movie 
uh, and the way he commits his crimes uh, being the inspiration for uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or inspiring Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so true story, Jeffrey Dahmer yeah. loved, loved The Exorcist 3. Yeah. Fucking loved it. <laughs> Apparently, they one of his victims, which I, I know very little about Jeffrey Dahmer mm. other than his you know the the big stories but like i read that one of his victims who survived said that he would sit them down and like what make them watch the movie and he would like mutter gibberish at certain scenes <laughs> he like empathized with the demon yeah. in the exorcist three this is a good idea and even Take bought notes. yellow contact lenses to because the demon and his other favorite fictional character was emperor palpatine from the star wars trilogy yeah they were saying like he just really loves the bad guys for all the stuff we know about true crime this is the first time i've heard about that about the yellow contact lenses i stuff. i yeah. maybe you should yeah fe- like Take that fact check me because i nope, did read it's fact it's also wikipedia now. but <laughs> yep. it- <laughs> no i was gonna say because where, where do you, was did you live across from the apartment i forgot you told me yeah one, time. one of the houses that i lived in in milwaukee um across the alley was what was now well it's nothing now i don't think but for a while it was tracks tavern hmm. um oh that was which, the bar where he picked up people. which he frequented um i think at least one of his um victims was picked up there um he was also a frequent at shakers cigar bar which was down on the south side but we lived the neighborhood we lived in yeah there's a tavern right across the alley mm-hmm. that was one of his frequent spots um that's really all i have yeah, I was curious when it about comes that. To that but. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Like, and I think that like I, I guess not to empathize with Jeffrey Dahmer, but yeah, the the monologues in the scene, the way the Gemini Killer is portrayed through the you know the different uh, actors, um, because what they do is they do bring back Jason Miller to reprise the role of Damian Karras, who you know. So during the movie, right, uh, Kinderman uh, is is alerted of this mystery patient that's in the psych ward of He's the hospital. He's been there for fifteen years. Exactly, mm-hmm. he was picked up wandering the streets like naked or something, and um, or by the river. Severe amnesia, no yeah. clue who he was, what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, useless. Um, and so he goes in there to take a look at this guy, and it's uh, yeah, it's Jason Miller. It's the the actor who played Jason, uh, Damian Karras in the first uh, Exorcist movie, um, reprising his role. And uh, the 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 way that these scenes play out essentially is that um, Kinderman begins speaking to Damian Karras, who is originally played by Jason Miller, and then there's these this like stark transition in the middle of like these monologues that are being delivered by Miller and he transitions into Brad Dorif. Very um, fi- like the interrogation also very Fincher. Mm-hmm. Like uh mm-hmm. straight out of mine Mindhunter did something similar. Right. Yeah. Um, and so th- it's all just like tying back to me as like serial killers mm-hmm. is the is the undercurring like it theme is. there. What do you think of these like yeah those, those I mean monologues were yeah. my favorite part of the whole yeah. movie. sticks out so much Dorf as like just kills it he does yeah so sure. if you guys don't know um, like worm tongue yeah worm tongue he's also, also the voice Chucky. of yeah yeah child's yeah. boy um, which they make a reference you see to. that little easter egg yeah where he said it's so easy it's child's, child's play. play yeah and oh, then potentially <laughs> potentially the next victim who they show immediately after that is that little kid like jordan uh-huh. the little red-headed yeah. child and they cut, <laughs> he said it's so easy it's like child's play and then it cuts to the little red-head kid and i was like Damn, i didn't know that well, did that huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, these these monologues. So like, I, you know, still on the topic of talking about the Gemini Killer and stuff, and the way he's portrayed in this movie. Uh, so the I guess what we're 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 in to interpret. You know, we get the voice of the Gemini Killer, or you know, as possessed, uh, you know, as possessing Damien Karras. Which that stuff. voice effect was incredible. Both yeah, the voice work the, like, chilled yeah, me to my bones. Yeah, the yeah. sound design like that they did. Even so, like 
we have the Jason Miller performance, and then it uh, like it cuts away quickly to uh, Brad Dorif during like the middle of their their interview process, and then Brad Dorif kind of like carries the rest of yeah. The, so like Kinderman mm-hmm. kind of looks away, uh-huh. like we're looking at Jason Miller, the like Father Damien. Mm-hmm. He looks away and he like looks back, and it's uh, uh, Brad, Brad Dorif. Um, who's not, they're not, they don't look exactly alike, but there's right. enough of a relationship. Similar, you yeah. could see like, maybe he curled his hair to look the same mm. or something. But yeah. like, so you're like, okay, wait, whoa, like which one's, like which one's which. And that's also when we get the line. So like one of the first lines in the form of Brad Dorff that he delivers is what do you see, you know, yeah. detective? Do you mm-hmm. like when see you with your faith? Me. Like, you know, like look with your faith or whatever. And it's, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we're meant to believe that like he can now like supernaturally, like he's like morphed and stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. These Brad Dorff monologues though, like you said, the sound design, what they do modulating his voice down, like, you know, a mm-hmm. couple of uh, intervals. But it's still very like intelligible. Like yeah. you can hear every single word he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like the nuance is still there. It's just... Crazy. It is, and I think nuance is the name of that with, like, with that performance. It's yeah. like it is like those monologues are almost taken like word for word from the book, and it's uh, it, it well, which makes sense, I guess, because it's fucking you know the screenwriter is directing the movie, mm-hmm. um, but like. <laughs> Yeah, they the way that they're they're delivered with like because I I think we were talking about this before we started recording is like in in the mouth of uh, some other characters and stuff these long you know wordy monologues can become very arduous to like get through you know we talked we've talked about Midnight Mass before um, and other like Mike Flanagan movies where yeah. he kind of like indulges maybe a little bit too much they're tough to carry yeah you have to have the right actor and the right performance to sell them and I think that's yeah you get exactly that with these yeah. Gemini killer scenes for sure. Um, especially the ones where he's like pontificating on like, or also explaining like the science of like possessing a body and being mm-hmm. brought back from like the ether, the void, as he oh, calls yeah. it with his friend. Yeah, he gives the like long explanation of one why it took him like fifteen years to reactivate or mm-hmm. whatever, and two like put, why he's in Lee, yeah. like Damien's body, like how it all like, worked. Put Karis's brain back together, basically. Yeah, yeah it's like when he... when the demon put me in Damien's body, there was like so <laughs> little to work cells with. Left in yeah, yeah. he's like, I have to like, I spent years just knitting this idiot yeah. back together, yeah, sewing yeah. my neural pathways back together. Exactly. Yeah, which is something that's interesting. Like, um, this is one of the you know sort of getting on the topic of stuff that was in the book. Like, I know this isn't a book podcast, but it's so it's very relevant to this movie. Um, stuff that was in the book that wasn't present in the movie that maybe it could have benefited from, but I don't know um there's a lot of stuff about uh, there's a lot of science in the book and a lot of and even so even in the movie too which we know we can talk about the method of killing here and stuff uh, in a minute but um one thing that i thought was really fascinating about the book is like there's this other auxiliary character who plays an important role called uh, dr amfortis who doesn't really show up in the movie who is a uh, a neurologist and throughout the he's a neurologist who has uh, lost his wife in a tragic accident and is also suffering from like a terminal illness um, towards the beginning of the book he like resigns and because he has like weeks to live um, and he also goes through the process of working with Kinderman and bringing up various examples of patients with like different kinds of aphasia and other neurological, you know, issues and defects. Um, and there's a lot more to be said about, yeah, like in the book about neurons and, you know, the, the synapses of a brain and how like the reconstructing that after an injury. Right. And then the susceptibility of these people who are, you know, neurologically afflicted being possessed by like demons and stuff. Um, which is, I feel like, an interesting through line in both the first movie and this one, which you can kind of just take as a direct sequel and kind of ignore the second Exorcist movie. Um, William Peter Blatty seems to have... One thing I, I don't know that I picked up on rewatches is his characterization of sort of, like, more ignored members of society. 
the victims that show up in this movie, one of the first ones and the first victim in the book is um, like a young, poor black boy. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it was really interesting to me that like, and I thought also thought separated this movie from some of the other, you know, supernatural horror demon possession movies is like, even the first Exorcist movie starts with like with Reagan, you know, it's, it's a perfect little white girl and, you know, living in an affluent world. But then like in this movie, Blatty and it's present in the first movie, but looking at um, institutionalized elderly people, um, poor members of society, like he, he seems to have a, a worldliness about the characters he involves in, involves in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uses that, like, I don't know, it, it's a great way to contextualize like the much more philosophical conversations he has about like evil and about like, you know, the evils of the world and yeah. stuff. Which and is you kind can of... see that like in Kinderman's concern mm-hmm. for these victims, which yeah. like, traditionally even at this time you know it came mm-hmm. out in 1990 you know a, a poor black kid goes missing mm-hmm. nobody nobody fucking did anything yeah you know, like and it, it's the first kill in the book and it, it it's one of the most like emotionally effective ones because in the book I, I think they bring this up in the movie too like kinderman had a relationship with the kid like he knew the kid from some like road, police road, club yeah, police club yeah. thing or whatever yeah he um, like names him yeah, he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kintry or not Kintry? Uh, is it Thomas Kintry? Thomas Kintry. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. that's the name of the kid. Um, but yeah, that that was something in, in rewatching the first one too that really struck me is like, I don't know, like y- you don't have to watch this directly after watching the first Exorcist movie, but it I was caught off guard whenever like yeah like Damian Karras dealing with his mother like as a as a caregiver right, um, she's kind of like she can't get around on her own and eventually like there's like you know she he's like kind of threatening her with like taking to her home because mm-hmm. he can't really keep coming to her apartment and taking care of her and stuff. And it almost like even harkens back to our conversation about like Deborah Logan, where it's like with the taking of Deborah Logan, you know, you have like this, this parallel between somebody having to be a caregiver for somebody. And then also like you involve this like supernatural element, which is like, you know, taking, scooping them up and taking them away. Um, yeah. Which is like really interesting. Uh, what'd you guys think of uh, George C. Scott's performance? Is it giving you more Patton vibes or more Buck vibes? Uh, I more Patton vibes, personally. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, the yeah. scenes? Doctor Str- the you scenes? remember him from Dr. Strangelove? Uh, uh, man, it's been like a minute. Yeah. Um, the scenes where he snaps were also some of my favorites. Yeah. Like when that doctor is like getting on his case about having all the cops in there. And he's just like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, he gets yes. pretty unhinged yeah. Yeah, throughout. I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, when he like lashes out at some of the, the healthcare workers and stuff, the nurses, he's like, it's not in the fucking chart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah whoa, yeah. Bill. Like, he's like, but, suit, I mean, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it, um, I don't even know where I was going to go with that. Well, I'll, just lost it. I'll interject. Uh, I think it helps with yeah, okay. his whole, um, this trauma he's dealing with, having like yeah. built up over the last 15 years, dealing with that Karis case, dealing with um, the Gemini killer mm-hmm. and the, his like distrust of God and um, his struggle with his faith. You, you see him as just like this cynical old man and mm-hmm. he, he does that pretty well yeah you know, for bu- what yeah. how he's supposed to come off he does it pretty it, well. it definitely has like grizzled old cop vibes so oh, it's yeah. like very jarring when you like you see him at home and he has like a teenage daughter who's yeah. like oh whatever i don't listen to my dad dance practice yeah, yeah he's has, like dance yeah. practice and, like, like stupid gotta go out on the streets that. and hunt yeah. a killer yeah. after i take my daughter to ballet yeah but <laughs> it, it is interesting i think like yeah as far as like tropes go it is just you know his home life is, is very stable like i mean yeah. he has like a he has a his mother-in-law lives with right. him and stuff um and they like seem very like emotionally attentive like yeah the movie opens 
where he and this priest who both kind of survived the first movie basically get together every year and yeah. watch it's a wonderful life yeah, let's talk about the kind relationship of like between him and father Dyer. yeah like mm. yeah because that's kind of the one of the main yeah. like and everyone kind of seems of to give them that space they're yeah. like these two men feel really rough like they need yeah. to every once a year they need to like did, be together did yeah. you get that catch that when they talk about how like because uh, kinderman's explaining why he has to go meet up with father Dyer, and he's like yeah he's still rough about it they both say the same thing about each other he's like doing it for the other one yeah right like they they both need it. Yeah. This is like one of my favorite scenes that I remember is they're at the theater. He, the priest is waiting for uh, Bill Kinderman to get there and he shows up like like a little huffy and the priest is like, he oh, what took you so long? with the sirens on. Yeah. <laughs> and he walks straight past the ticket counter, raises his badge yeah, and he goes, business. police <laughs> business or whatever. It just walks in and the priest is like, he's like, you can't fucking do and that. And then the man. priest goes and gets <laughs> yeah. popcorn and candy. Yeah. Lemon like, drops. What are you doing? He's like, I can't, I can't watch a movie without my lemon drops. Addicted to him, yeah. <laughs> Which I think that comes up in the first one of the earlier novels by Blatty. I remember reading like that's lemon where drops. that came Blatty from. Blatty just it, loves it ties lemon drops. In oh man, to like it's not in Legion because mm-hmm. you read Legion. Yeah, the whole lemon drops thing with um, with the father comes up in one of his earlier the character like explains a callback that he was working with uh, children for like uh, a, a couple a year oh, or yeah. two and, yeah. he, was and the, he would always have lemon drops yeah, in his on pockets hand, and now something. he's addicted to them and he can't like which is funny to me too because uh, people always look for it now especially with like obviously with the MCU we're all looking for easter eggs but right. one of the things I love is people are always looking for these like connections and some of these things are just like I mean I think William Peter Blatty just really likes lemon drops yeah they're like <laughs> Like the like the red apple cigarettes or something. Like oh, I don't right. believe. Yeah. Like I just think Quentin Tarantino is like I'm not gonna make up another brand of cigarettes. <laughs> like, like what's the point? I did it once. We're <laughs> yeah. just gonna do it again. It's, it's in the so then everyone's box. like, well, they all use the same cigarettes, so it's yeah. all in the same universe. I'm like, right, okay, guys, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, and like speaking of that, like I don't know, like the 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 continuity between this movie and the for and the first Exorcist movie, I think like. Yeah, I, I now I, I feel like I'm at risk of like you know having saying you you have to watch these as a double feature and stuff because like but I I did get so much more out of this movie after rewatching the first one and then watching this one again. The tragedy the plays better. You kind of get an intuition of like how deeply wounded all these people, like all the people who were in the first one that survived. It. Yeah, because right. that's that's the thing about rewatching the first one and then and watching this one is like how much the like. I feel like whenever I remember talking like the exorcist stuff and I bring it up in conversation or it like falls in the context of talking about horror movies, you know, you think of it as, as one of the most iconic horror movies of all time that kicked off, yeah. you know, an entire social phenomenon you, of like, uh, if you ask panic and stuff. any boomer, what the scariest movie they ever saw when they were like teenagers or kids was, and they all say like either psycho or the exorcist. Yeah. They all say exactly. like the exorcist at the time. On it was list. one of the scariest movies of all time. Yeah. But then, you know, so you think of it in that context, you're like, Oh, this is one of the scariest movies of all time. And that's what it's known for. But going back and watching the first Exorcist again, I'm like, this movie has so much heart. Like when you really yeah. think about like the character of Damien Karras and like I said, the relationship he has with his mother and then the conflict of faith he has. It's another one of those situations, like like I said before, talking about Blatty's perspective on, you know, people in need. Um, Damien Karras, I feel like serves as that that great conduit for that, where he's like he's a psychologist who like became a priest. Right. He's like a Jesuit mm-hmm. priest, right? And he's dealing his conflict in that first movie is like he's talking to the the father in charge or whatever and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't you know, these people need something more than faith. Yeah. And I can't just keep telling them like yeah, you know it's almost like an atheist wrote it. It is. And it's fast <laughs> yeah, it's fa- exactly and it's fascinating to like see that because I you get so much more out of it and then, you know, 
Damien's ultimate demise at the end of that movie. And then like, you know, talking about the continuity of this universe and stuff, bringing him back and like having him be, you know, one of the main sort of. Yeah. To like negate the sacrifice of the first movie makes it that much more painful for Kinderman to see him in the third. Yeah. And it also Mm -hmm. provides so much more like, to, Although, to the climax point, of, this point movie. of clarity, Kinderman, did he know there was an exorcism in, from the first movie? He just says Damien died mysteriously yeah. coming out of a window. So he yeah. actually doesn't know there's a demon in no. this movie. Yeah. And so Not that, until like the very, very end. And I think that that's kind of like, but I, it, it serves the plot really well, though. Because yeah. right? I think if he did know. That's the whodunit part, is yeah. we're like. We know, based off the name The Exorcist, we're like, mm-hmm. well, there's a demon. Yeah, like, right. we, We're pretty sure it's a supernatural demon. Yeah. But we don't know who it's possessing right. or who the killer could be. Yeah. Um. And so Kinderman is like, it's just a killer. And we're like, yeah. no, or it could be like, yeah, yeah, or it could be like a demon possessing someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're trying to fit. And there's multiple characters that get cast in negative lights. So you're like, well, it could be that nurse. Right. Um, mm. <laughs> but, yeah, but nurses, yeah very yeah. nurse ratchet. Very nurse ratchet. There's, I mean, there's a couple of really hot nurses, though. Like, I, actually, I, I, will I talk about the same thing. Dude, the, I didn't want to be crass, but I was like, oh, no. Wow. Why are the, what? The, so what? this movie is also famous for one of the most uh, famous jump scares of all time. Um, it's that extended, like, two minute long static shot of that hallway, right? Where yeah. the nurse. Uh, God, whoa! I can't remember the name of the character now. Um, But it's a nurse who's basically attending like the night shift or whatever. Mm -hmm. She has that like bright red, like you know, uh, like or she's like a cardigan or something. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, She was super cute. But like that's the one where we have that single static shot of the hallway. She goes and checks on the most, the biggest asshole patient of all time, who like jump scares her. Uh, don't fucking wake me up. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your okay. What's your name? I'm reporting you. Yeah. You, do you get that ever? Do people fucking like threaten to report you? I guess you don't do very much like bedside service. No, because we service. just put them to sleep. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> they can't wake up. So whatever. Yeah. Well, they, and then I never wake up. Um. Uh, rarely. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just thought of a new horror movie. <laughs> Sunday scaries. Uh, it's yeah. called Tyler's Which, operating room. <laughs> okay, speaking of the angel of death. Yeah. Yeah. When Kinderman has that vision. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. the dream uh, sequence. It's pretty early in the movie. What did you guys think of this? <laughs> First, uh, they're seeing these, they're in like this purgatory uh, yeah. train station, right? Yeah. And they're like waiting to be sent. All all the victims of the the Gemini killer's crime. Right, with their heads yeah. stitched back on too. Yeah. For yeah. And that's where he realizes that father is going to die because he's there too. Yeah. But first, one of the angels is Fabio. Yeah. And then the angel of death is fucking Patrick Ewing. Yeah. I was like, there's... Also... Like, what do you think that conversation yeah. was like? It's also um, the... Uh, one other fun cameo in that fucking... Uh, that dream sequence, like Samuel L. Jackson has. It's a cameo his first there. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like one of his first movies ever. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know what he that has conversation no with ADR him. Patrick Ewing was like. Like, hey, you want to play the yeah. Angel of Death in the Exorcist Three? Uh, yeah. How did like, that come about? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> he, I guess he. I mean, she had an agent at the time, and he was like, hey, "Yeah, this we, we need to get this guy's acting Fabio. career." But like, why road. did he? Oh my agree god! To it, you know? I know Fabio was looking suave. Yeah, he looked great. Yeah, yeah, I was so. I remember. Yeah, so like in the process of like getting ready for this episode, uh, I was. You, you looked know, at a lot of Fabio. I looked at ads. so much. You just Fabio. Googled Fabio. Yeah, I spent. I went down a Fabio rabbit hole. A Fabio <laughs> hole. Uh, <laughs> he went down Fabio's. Hole. I went down Fabio's <laughs> hole, and it was. Let me tell you. Hey, he's it handsome. Was worth it. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember. I was reading the book, and like 
watching the movie at various times, like intermittently. And I remember on my first, like I was already like a hundred pages into the book and uh, I had gotten past that dream sequence scene, and I was like, that's fucking weird. I don't remember that from the movie. And then I was like rewatching it again, and I was like, oh, yeah, they actually put it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, it it's does very, kind of stand uh, out as being fucking weird. Yeah, because it's everything about the movie is very straight-laced. Like, you don't yeah. get, like, bodies flying, or, like, you don't even really get that much crazy, like, violent murder. You just kind of mm-hmm. see a lot of the aftermath. Yeah. Um. So the dream sequence happens, like, somewhere close to 30 or 40 minutes yeah, in, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, because it's part of, like, something that I, I was telling you about before we started recording was, like, uh, other things in the book that, like, aren't included in the movie is, like, obviously a lot of the internal dialogue of Kinderman. Um, throughout the book, he's constantly, like, philosophizing about the nature of, of God and evil and um, and his relationship with, like, his faith and stuff. And going on these long, yeah, like I said, introspective uh, sort of tirades within his own like internal dialogue which is hard to portray on film like yeah. it's hard to include that kind of stuff and i think they did the best they could with like i don't know with george e. scott's performance like he comes off as somebody who is you know very having that internal afflicted. struggle yeah. yeah um especially with these kills like so going through the kills the first one yeah is, is the uh thomas, thomas Kentry, Kentry. The, yeah the young boy mm-hmm. who um He's crucified is on, on some rowing oars yeah and decapitated and his head's replaced with the yeah the they statue. do not hold back on the murder no. stuff like the mm-hmm. details alone had like had me chilled i was like the uh, one of these seven things you said was gruesome and right then you went and kept going just leaned into it yeah. and then the first on-screen murder the second one uh that happens to the father in the confession booth that's the one where uh what's her face confesses that she knows how to drain the blood from their victims bodies or yeah like that's the next goal she's like i want to learn how to do this next right and she's like i feel bad i've murdered like you know she yeah. starts talking about yeah, yeah which we i guess we're assumed that's the voice of the gemini killer through whichever elderly right. lady he's possessed mm-hmm. or whatever that one like i don't know as the first because that's the first also sort of like pulling you in like with a salt false sense of security you're like all right we've got a father scene here what what could possibly go wrong and then like this little old lady yeah Yeah. it's so it's so subtle the way she starts like just like giving her confession about murdering people uh and then that guy gets killed and i think the next kill is father dyer right yeah so father dyer uh yeah kinderman's best friend uh, is hospitalized for i don't know what is he lung cancer probably some vague Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a he's a habitual smoker. Um, he's in the hospital, and Kenderman comes to visit him, and he's very upset that his friend is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They're I love I love their friendship. Yeah. Like they're such good yeah. friends. They're old, it's just uh, grumpy old men. Yeah. yeah. They're grumpy old curmudgeons. That's what. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what. Car- like this movie is just like yeah. This is it's just you know it's just it's cute bromance between old men. Mm-hmm. Like and it it's exactly what it is. Like it's, yeah. yeah male male relationships. Um, but yeah, they have. Uh, a, a fantastic friendship where they he shows up and he's like what the fuck are you doing here and he's like ah it's nothing and he like brings like a you little know. stuffed penguin yeah <laughs> reminded stuffed, me of you yeah the you stuffed go. penguin is adorable um, and he's reading like some fashion magazine yeah he's, he's like, like <laughs> just giving him shit for it yeah he's like can you bring some new ones i need some new shit um but in the course of being hospitalized uh Father Dyer is murdered as well. Um, this is the murder that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, that Oof. I think you wanted to talk about as well. That is where a we're brutal like, one. Yeah, it reminded me of like when Sloth in, yeah. in the movie Seven. Since I'm already thinking about it, mm-hmm. Sloth was the one that fucked me up. That murder, I was like, I can't do that. That's tough, <laughs> man. Yeah. Which is also too like I think like you're talking about with the Fincher like we don't see very much on screen violence. It yeah. is always just the implication of like you see the aftermath and you're like man the terror of going through that. Yeah. So um, when they so when Kinderman rolls up right he gets the phone call first so he wake I guess he wakes up and then mm-hmm. he gets a phone call 
And in his head, he's like, it's dire. Like something in that dream tells him his mm-hmm. priest yeah. friend is next. Rolls up to the the um, institution where he's staying at, which also happens to be the same place, right? Where they where, keep all yeah. the institutionalized elderly and the uh, Father Damien Gemini killer mm-hmm. combo. Yeah. So it all kind of works out. But then he rolls up and like there's a, a message painted in blood on the wall and like 20 specimen jars yeah. is the medical term for them, like filled with blood. Um Oh god! I'm yeah. sorry. I, like I was just it's, thinking yeah, about the monologue chilly. he gave about like about how he commits when the you murders. drain. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's like when you drain the blood, the something the about dregs. Yeah, like, and then when you cut like, someone's head off, the eyes can see for twenty extra seconds. Yeah, so they're like a bit of artistry, their, their yeah. own body, which definitely I was like, oh my god, I would yeah. throw up. I would throw up. Yeah, the way that like uh, just thinking about it, it gives me a little nauseous. That we find so we have we haven't talked about succinylcholine yet, have we? We have not. No. Yeah. All right, give us the download on the succinylcholine, Tyler. Uh, brief synopsis. It's a paralytical, paralytic agent. Um, we use it pretty frequently in surgery. For I mean, depending on the anesthesiologist's preference on their paralytic agent. Um, but generally, these people are sedated first, so we'll use like a propofol push first. They go to sleep. Then you give succinylcholine, um, which... As mentioned in the movie, it does attack the respiratory muscles. So it paralyzes the respiratory muscles, which is then when we intubate. That way, the ventilator can inflate and deflate the lungs without the patient having that innate urge to try to breathe. Even if you're anesthetized, your body wants to do stuff. You'll try to breathe against the pressure of the ventilator. But with this drug in your system, that innate respiratory drive stops, basically. So then that allows the anesthesia provider to control that. Now, if you're not sedated when they give this to you, you lose that ability to control that respiratory drive. Well, I mean, the drive is still there. It's still happening in your brainstem, Mm -hmm. but there's a disconnect between your brainstem and your respiratory muscles, Mm -hmm. and you just cannot breathe. So, like, your instinct to breathe is wrong, too. Like, even the the stuff you can't control. But you. But you're no not matter if, even if you're yeah, trying to, so you're think, essentially you're, yeah. you're suffocating and completely aware of it the entire yes. time is what would happen if you had. But it's like even the unconscious physical yeah. things you do every single second to do, you can't. That's still there, uh, but none of the muscles, right? So yeah, like that, you to do those things will respond. So will that like prevent like blinking too? Like you wouldn't be able to blink even though um, your your brain know. just kind of does it. I don't know. That's kind of beyond, a weird question yeah. because we only use it for like people that are already right that are already sedated like i don't know if there's like specific nerve groups or anything that Hmm. attacks Hmm. um that's fair i mean also another reason we give this is because you don't want the patient moving at all during surgery right god forbid because (laughs) that can lead to some issues Um, (laughs) (laughs) um so i i think it just it seems like a pretty diffuse yeah um like large scale acting paralytic but that's not I don't. I'm not the one giving that. So right. So I'm not then, the most knowledgeable about yeah. it. Is that how that works in the movie? Like he would give him the paralytic agent, and they would be paralyzed they, enough. Yeah, that they he would could, not be able to control. As the Gemini killer puts muscles. it, he's you know to to to, to work in peace, uh, mm-hmm. to to do my artwork and stuff. And so the idea Chills. is that yeah. yeah, the Gemini killer through whichever old person he's possessing at the time, it goes and administers a succinylcholine in the exact right dosage. You know what is it like mm-hmm. ten milligrams per fifty pounds of person or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the idea idea is that the person so this is how father dyer died apparently um is completely paralyzed and unable to breathe or do anything and then uh 
the Gemini killer describes how he inserts a three foot, you know, I don't know. This is the part catheters directly into the inferior or, or, or uh, superior superior vena cava. Yeah. Um, to drain the blood I, I mean, directly get, from the heart or something. I don't know. I did like a little double take when you said that, but I was like, I'm not going to get. You're like, I'm not going to press it. it. Yeah, because yeah. we would go like that. No, now foot, I want to know. Yeah. The three foot catheter that I'm assuming that he's talking about is like a central venous, venous access catheter, uh-huh. which they could go in through like a femoral vein right. in your groin yeah. and then thread it up into the IVC, the inferior vena mm-hmm. cava. And then that's basically in your right atrium where all the blood from your body Has is to returning to. Right. Or you go in through the neck, through like the. Um, interior jugular mm-hmm. um, or subclavian vein and that goes that then connects to the SVC superior vena cava which also drains into your right atrium huh but so he said the not, armpit so I he's could wrong. listen to you well, talk I mean, about medical gotta, stuff for hours we got you, you can go axillary too <laughs> I mean you could but nobody does that yeah um, I mean I guess though like you're trying to preserve but they're life not and he artists doesn't, like he doesn't give a shit the killer yeah, doesn't care <laughs> yeah because he talks about like lifting yeah, up the legs and giving them a little shake to drain the oh yeah he squeezes the blood out of them that's yeah. what he says he's he like sanguinates yeah, yeah. Um, so he fills up 24 little cups of blood. So this is apparently how Father Dyer died. He paralyzed him, drained all of his blood out of him, and then cut the head off. So he was able mm. to remove the head without any messy, you know, residual business or whatever. Um, and then paint it on the wall. Uh, it's a wonderful It's life. a wonderful life, which is the movie that him and right. Kinderman saw. And that's together. how, that's the first clue Kinderman gets that it's, that it could be the Gemini killer, is the Gemini killer always spelled words that end in L with two L's. So it's a mm. wonder full f-u-l-l life mm-hmm. and he's like no that can't be right the gemini's <laughs> dead elias only um yeah and they he cuts off the like we said the first finger on the left hand of yeah. the father there's like mm-hmm. these two symbols that t- like signals the gemini killer's back yeah what about this fucking murder weapon the giant scissors is that a real thing i don't know man yeah that looks well, like they look like they garden, look garden shears, shears like but, yeah. but like hell yeah, but like <laughs> spring-loaded garden yeah. shears. They're like mm. reverse spring-loaded, so it's like you have to force to pull them open, but right. then they and shut then they automatically. Like pull a trigger and just right. Yeah, which and is the kind guy of... in the morgue is like saying like, "Oh yeah, we use these," and I'm like, "What are you doing to these fucking bodies?" <laughs> like just <laughs> what? Is, like I don't crack. I don't know. Like, you like the opposite that, of the know? jaws like, of life. Like or I guess they are the jaws of life. Yeah, they're just like they're just made for for fucking massacring. I don't something. know. It's yeah. for like taking a to, limb like, off, right? Could you but, like cut through a rib cage with those things? Like to, to do it so forcefully you get a clean cut. Yeah. But I feel so macabre right came, now. Oh, it's great. I it came it. from the morgue. Like yeah. the coroner had it. Yeah. So I was like, what do you Oh yeah, because he's like they got a new one. Yeah, he's like there's there's like a label. Where's the old one? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Like, shouldn't you know that? And then we get the hallway my scene. Job. Yeah, and then we get the fucking hallway scene with Hot Nurse uh, standing at that door. Yeah, she goes to check on the guy, and then she like comes back, and you think everything's going to be fine. But this is it's a static, like, minute and a half long shot. Like, you're just staring. Like yeah, It's like, like paranormal okay, activity level. What of, happens like, next? Uh, and then yeah. finally, like, yeah, he bursts right, right out of the closet. Right when you let your guard down yeah. is when he comes With out. the fucking gardening shears, sure. like, right behind her. Perfectly timed uh, cut. Yeah. I love that. I love that jump scare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It got me. I rewound. There's a couple of good I rewound several times. I like the stuff where, um, where like he's talking to the patients and someone's like crawling on the ceiling. Yeah, oh, Spider Grandma. My yeah. mind. Dude. I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Spider Grandma is amazing. Yeah, he's like Spider Grandma. Yeah, he goes down into the uh, the, yeah, the psych ward to talk to all the various like elderly that aren't like mentally there anymore. Um, that's towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, he's starting mm-hmm. to like piece things together, and he's kind of. It seems like he's mm-hmm. kind of like hunting for you know to see who which one of these elderly people was he using as a messenger as a uh, yeah. as a helper agent of death. 
Yeah, and he's just like casually walking around, unawares that there's a there's a elderly lady crawling on the ceiling above oh, him. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I, I think like they sped her I up like to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they like sped her up to make her look extra like extra spidery, creepy, jittery. Crawling. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so this final uh, exorcism sequence is very Hellraiser-esque, I think. I thought I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, mm. especially with, like, the body gore in it. Like, I think it is, you know, as far as, like, studio notes and stuff go, it does seem like they were, they were like, like, we, we need to juice this. Yeah, we need to juice <laughs> this movie up a little bit. It's yeah. way too calm, way too chill. Yeah. Uh, we need to add, we need to put some flair in there, some We haven't color. shown anything explicitly yeah. yet. Yeah. We get, so we get, like, badass superhero father coming in to exercise. Father Brad Dorif from uh, Jason Miller, I guess, um, Patient X, and uh, he comes in, and you know we have our kind of our classic exorcist face, exorcism face off, religious and stuff. battle, yeah, holy they, water, exactly, yeah, he hits him with the holy water, but then is is quickly repelled and like pinned to the ceiling, yeah, but the I had a scene of him like peeling off of the ceiling, with yeah, with his skin staying, on yeah, the that's the Hellraiser element of it, where yeah. like his like back meat like shows mm-hmm. and peels off of the ceiling, oh, yeah, but you can see like the muscles on his face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff. yeah, I you know like like we talked about before. It was, you know, whether or not that scene was going to be in the movie is, is a point of contention and everything with the, uh, you know, the studio process behind it. But I, I enjoyed it a lot. I actually it was, did. Uh, it, yeah. was, it like was something about it. I was like, I don't I think this movie plays completely differently without this scene. But mm. I still like this movie. Yeah. With this like ridiculous, like gonzo ending. Just yeah. Absolutely nuts. I think it like, yeah, it does. I don't know. It, it adds like what is it? Maybe there's some like tonal variability or something because it, it just well, adds that little, yeah. like I said, color like to the and kind of knowing how William Peter Blatty's original ending was. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I, I need to see it to to know how it would work. Like the way right. he described it, I was like, I don't know if it would work yeah. unless I saw it. Yeah, just offhand, I'd be like, I don't know. Sounds kind of like dissatisfying. His yeah. original ending, um, <laughs> which is happens- just him. He just like executes. The yeah, like just, patient, ex, yeah, just like him. blast him. And then the ending of the book is just him sitting at a fucking diner with uh, one of the other detectives, like, and he goes off on this like long, long monologue about the nature of evil and how he thinks like the Big Bang was Lucifer falling from heaven, and that like evolution is like Damn, the, the devil trying to put himself back together again. It's right there; you can read it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's like that. That exorcism scene also happens in the midst of him kind of like the most action sequence where he tries yeah. to chase down the nurse who is escaped from the hospital or the the old lady who has stolen the clothes of a nurse escaped from the hospital and gone to his home to yeah, try to murder his daughter. He surmises his own daughter is the next victim. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a chase between who, who will get there first, yeah. the, the pa- the patient or the policeman. Mm-hmm. And obviously like it's a kind of a two hander. He gets there and they're like, she's, they're fine. He's like, mm-hmm. what? What happened? And his family's like, what the fuck is wrong with this lady? Why is this lady just sitting (laughs) in her dining room? He says, what kind of nurse is this? Yeah. Uh, And then she whips out the... The gardening shears. The shears. The the jacked up shears. That gets like inches away from Yeah, I was going to say, when they... they That had me on the edge of my toes. Yeah, they yank the daughter away as the shears are closing on her neck. And I thought it almost even like nicked her. Yeah. I was like, ooh, they got her. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good I don't know, and then that's whenever they they get into like a little tussle, and she's like throwing people around the room and shit. Right, but and then she's holding up Kinderman by the throat. She's forced choking stops. him. <laughs> yeah, but she's forced choking him. Uh, but then she stops because we cut to you know the hallway of the psych uh, psych ward where Father Morning Father Morning shows up. Off, yeah, that door. I, I still can't get over it. that door slams open, and he yeah, walks. Just, he looks like such a badass in that I'm scene. here. I'm here, bitches. I feel like a like. Um, Oh man, what's the song? Um, look at me now. No, ah, <laughs> there's like such a classic, uh, like kind of funk song. Ah, 
I'll get back to it. Okay. Come back to we'll me. Come back to you. We can edit it in post. How you like me now. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Mm. You know, we're like, like that should play as Father Morning walks in. How you like me now? How you like me now? And he's like walking up with his Bible and his like rosary. Tightens his collar. little strut. Tightens his jacket. He's like, I heard you guys have a demon problem. We have to do a fan edit of that fucking entire sequence now. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, no, like overall. And then so once he comes in and then, you know, we get the final, we get the first exorcism scene with the father. Yeah. He gets KO'd. And then Kinderman rushes back to the asylum pretty quickly right which if kinderman mm-hmm. didn't believe in demons now mm-hmm. surprise there's that whole final monologue too where it's like he's you know do you believe or like what is your faith or whatever and he says like he goes off on a tangent oh, yeah he's like, I, he's believe in dark birth, I believe in sin i believe mm-hmm. in, in poverty, poverty i believe justice. in slime yeah and like and that is kind of like the the final monologue in the book too where it's like this man's crisis is about seeing all the injustice of the right. world and wondering how god can exist if there's right if this all of this exists right um and then uh, he's like, and I believe in you. And then uh, they get, you know, Father Damien Karras is able to fight through enough uh, to, like, give yeah. them a moment of reprieve. And he's able to get a shot off. It's uh, It gets wild, too, because he uh, – so they, like, force choke him up the wall mm-hmm. under the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then, like, lightning blasts yeah. open up the floor. And, like, the, yeah. every, like all the victims start which, shooting which out of the Which was very Hellraiser. Yeah, that yeah. was, like – I was like, oh, that's very Hellraiser. Yeah. And these victims – all come up with uh f- with um father dyer uh, or it's, mm. it's just like a crucified body and then that's on the second thomas country body it's the first victim that's right yeah it's thomas country but then like when he looks back it's father dyer mm-hmm. crucified on the cross mm-hmm. um and then it turns out the father morning who we thought was ko'd was only slightly ko'd mm-hmm. and used his last hp to try and banish the demon <laughs> to, get off to appeal to appeal to damien <laughs> hellish <Karras>. rebuke <laughs> which like at the at that time too i think the demon takes over the body like yeah. it's not just uh like once the exorcism starts going off it's like the og demon baddie from the first movie is like yeah. oh no i gotta take over i gotta get take control of this so like they had like <laughs> yeah. the yellow eyes step in and micromanage this yeah like this yeah. situation is going how i thought <laughs> it would a lot of control um and damien just like just fights off the demon long enough that mm-hmm. he's like kill me bill shoot no, me yeah, end it now yeah. and he died he like gun barrel right to the guy's head yep. and you don't even have to see it you just know you're like oh yeah Damn. Not the way you want to go. Ooh, it's well, dark. actually, it's one of the easiest ways to go, apparently. That's how, yeah. It'd be pretty cool. 100% yeah. success rate for executions. I'd Tyler, you're the medical professional. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to do it. I mean, Edward I mean, Norton survived. That was a really? Fight Club reference. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. It was. That was kicking cool. <laughs> I, I was know, like, like, is there something I don't know about yeah, Edward Norton? Like, mm, no. Wait a second. Um, did you want to talk about there's that other little tidbit about the nature like so Jason Miller's performance so Jason Miller is the only one who's actually reprising his role from the first movie right Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Father Dyer is a character in the first movie who's played by uh, Ed Flanders in this movie Um, Jason Miller is Damian Karras in the first movie Um, uh, so George C. Scott plays the character of uh, Kinderman who is played by like Lee Cobb I think in the first movie who sadly Mm -hmm. like he passed away in like 1979 yeah um, before that this movie was even you know a, a thought um, which is why George C. Scott gets the role. But, uh, 
yeah, it's I don't know. Like overall, like this uh, this uh, Jason Miller performance too. Like there's that little bit about uh, he apparently had um, been become quite a, a bit of an alcoholic, and yeah, uh, that's what I read. Yeah, too. Brad Dorf said he had like a bit of a, a wet brain. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Were having they... trouble memorizing more than one line at a time. Yeah, and so like when they cut to Brad Dorf like delivering, delivering those long monologues, it's part of the reason is because you know it, it, Jason Miller wasn't able to not quite up to do stuff. it. Yeah. yeah. But um, Blatty never acknowledges anything. Yeah, he just said about, he was unavailable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably just a good dude move by Blatty to be like, every, well, yeah. we don't have to like talk about I feel like every step of that, this movie is you know? like a, is like, bro, like good people just being like kind of generous. Yeah, he's being a gentleman probably a nice right? fucking yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, apparently him and George C. Scott didn't really get along. Um, William Peter Blatty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, and, but like, I guess, you know. In, in the older most... actors are really interesting, um, that, especially like of that age too. He's kind of a good, like that guy's, George C. Scott's kind of a good old boy, and they they like they're a little rough and he's tumble already, when it comes to shooting. Especially by this point, he's very much an older statesman of the you know of yeah the, of the industry and stuff. Like he's, I've worked with a like an actor from an older generation mm-hmm. of action movies, and they kind of have this like rough and tough like like stuff where like we, like if we're doing a, like a gun scene or something, he's mm-hmm. like you know, put the blanks in the gun. They're like, we don't really need that. And he's like, no, no, no. We like, we ought to do it. Put real bullets in there. Yeah. It'd be like, <laughs> yeah. A li- it's a little, it back in the day, so it's a little Clint Eastwood. Yeah. What are you a girl? It's like a lot of different. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of different Clint Eastwood. It, I didn't Honestly, know this was a daycare. Kind of reminds me of working with like uh, surgical residents. Uh-huh. And then you have these old surgeons yeah. like teaching them. They're like, no, you got to do it this way. And you got to be here 90 hours a week because yeah. my life fucking sucked. Yeah. Cause I did Your it. Your life is going to fucking suck too. And it's like, we don't have to do this anymore. Was that one Dick Van Dyke, uh, that episode of scrubs where dick van dyke comes in as a cameo and he's like a like an elderly sir like surgery or uh, like surgeon and uh, mm. he's talking to the chief of medicine uh kelso and he's like trying to do these like ancient like procedures on people uh, and they're like, like leeching do something that anymore that. And he's like well i have to do it <laughs> yeah um yeah because this is after i mean yeah george c scott by this point had already had so i know, could see full- them like butting heads with directors because yeah. they always mm. they kind of swagger in like i I don't know George C. Scott personally or have read, seen any interviews with him. So this is a big <laughs> extrapolation on my part. Yeah. Um, but I can see them butting heads because a lot of times that generation of actors, they walk in and they're just like, like if they've been in the business long yeah, enough, they're like, I just want to shoot the scene. And he was and the director's there. like, well, we have to do all these other things. Like yeah. it has to be lit this way or done this way. And they're like, who cares? Just yeah. do the scene. It's like in um, uh, The Quick and the Dead with uh, Gene Hackman uh, direct when he was when Sam Raimi was directing him. Oh, yeah. And so it's one of the best, like that was one of, one of my favorite quotes from like Sam Raimi's uh, like anthology series and stuff where on the set for The Quick and the Dead, you know, this wild Western movie, Gene Hackman is there. And Great movie. Leo DiCaprio that, too. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe in his first like American role, <laughs> Sharon Stone's in there. But um, it's like Gene Hackman in the same situation is already kind of an elder statesman of the industry and stuff. Yeah. And Sam Raimi comes along trying to be Sam Raimi. And he's like, all right, so you come in here, do this. You're going to flip your gun like this. You're going to pop the seat open. You're going to sit down and pick your, click your, kick your spurs up. He's trying to like over direct him. And Gene Hackman's yeah. like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just gonna do what I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of that like they're <laughs> the cowboy. I am. They're old. Yeah, they're old enough that they want. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm just gonna you. You trust me. You just gotta trust me. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and yeah. you're gonna like it. And it's it. gonna look cool. Yeah, and everyone's gonna like it. But that being said, I feel like yeah. But George C. Scott does act the fuck out of this fucking role though. Like, and he, William he Peter Blatty. Yeah, is it's like his not maybe one of his first couple movies. Like he's still a not. He's not a practiced director. Well, that and mm. I think like and so there I, are there has to be some head. Yeah, if you're George C. Scott too, that. you're like this guy's not a fucking director. He's a writer. Like why is this yeah. guy directing this movie? It's a very literary film. I was told John Carpenter was gonna be directing this movie, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or like William Friedkin. 
in, mm-hmm. you know, like depending on whoever you're talking to. Right. But or what state they, production but it was on. I mean, it, it happens a lot with any fresh director on features because you're just running and gunning so much, so long, so hard mm-hmm. that like you, somebody butts heads eventually. So it's mm-hmm. it's really there are lots of stories about like people being like, oh, they fight a lot. Or you're like, I mean, they were shooting like 14 hour days. It's a, and it's also six it's a days job. A week. Like, yeah, people like, yeah, yeah people like get into somebody's it. gonna fight. Yeah, because yeah. I, I did read some interviews that. um that George C. Scott did afterwards, and he seems to speak pretty highly of Blatty and right. the film. Yeah. So like, it's kind of like that whole uh, service industry shit where you're yeah, you're in the exactly weeds, that. and everybody's like screaming at each other, mm-hmm. and then afterwards you like go get a beer, and you're like, yeah, it was a good job, yeah. good like shit, with anything, Or any you like job, have that weird way where you go like reverse, and you're like, man, wasn't it so funny when this happened? You're yeah. like, you were you, yelling you were at me, <laughs> and you had a knife in your hand. I kind of was scared <laughs> for my life. Yeah, that happens a lot on film sets. Like people uh, finish films and like it's like all the they go to, they get like well, a weekend they get a weekend to rest and then they go to like a, a screening or like a cast party or an after mm-hmm. party or something and they're like this was so fun we had the blast and I'm like no you, no you're, you're mean do not forget <laughs> that you made my life so hard uh-huh. and you were unapologetic like yeah, that's how I feel you don't about get to be a jerk and then like the be nice after hours <laughs> like we'll be like. During yeah. when we're actually like scrubbed in and participating in a surgery right. in a case, it's like snappy. Like and you're like all Why the fuck in. don't you have this? Like yeah. why aren't you helping me more? Well, you and guys then afterwards, are actually it's like, high stakes. Good job, good job today, yeah. Tyler. Thanks. Like patient's doing really well. Like okay, Dan. <laughs> Dan, if you're Sorry listening, to name drop there. Dan, Dan, if you're listening, I'm. It's you're, you're it sounds like your profession is Dan, really yeah. rough. Dan, I love you. You do yeah. a great job. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't overall. think Dan might not get to this part of the podcast. Right. I don't think so. What, so overall, you guys liked it? Yeah, I, 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 think, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I'm going to take some time and go back and watch the first two again. Yeah. Um, I think it'll help me appreciate it even more. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I love the psychological aspect of all of it. Talking through it um, made me love it more. Yeah. I think just bouncing the ideas off of it made me love it a lot more than yeah. my initial watch. But there also, were I love lots Brad of. Dorf. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he really does kind of steal this, like the movie. Like mm-hmm. once you get to his scenes, it yeah, those monologues just fucking slap. Yeah. Like he he kills him and then kind of give me with, like a Defoe monologue yeah. vibe. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's one of those act, another one of those actors where like can pull that off, mm-hmm. where you're so riveted mm-hmm. that it doesn't get arduous. Right. Um, so that's kind of what it reminded me yeah. of. Yeah, like and with the sound scenes. design, like the dynamic nature of the monologues and how, like it, you know, when they the, his voice will be normal and then they'll drop it down a couple intervals, intervals, and then it'll mm-hmm. come back and yeah. it just uh, just pops. Yeah. And that's all kind of tied to like the subject matter of what mm-hmm. he's talking about at that yeah. time. Like when he gets really vile, they drop the octave down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's tight. Also, the growling. There was all oh, yeah. You, yeah, the, the, yeah. the incessant growling yeah, whenever there was a character yeah, yeah. who was possessed or something. You just mm-hmm. hear it like, and then he does it like he roars. He says, "I do that pretty well, don't you think?" Yeah, uh, yeah. It's good shit. Good shit. Good movie. Good job, William Peter Blatty. Yeah, yep. yeah. So good. Scott. Jeffrey Dahmer loved it. So good. Yeah. It inspired somebody like, to zombify. Blatty, you're like, like you're the Jeffrey Dahmer trial, and they're like. Well, evidence shows that he made his forces victims to watch like The Exorcist three, and you're like, "Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck!" <laughs> that was a good movie. <laughs> or they're like, yeah. "We did it." <laughs> Our target audience nailed it. Yeah. Serial killers you can't control how Yikes. people consume your art. Unfortunately, yeah. no, yeah. no, you cannot. Um, yeah, have you guys uh, seen anything cool lately? Um, well, I saw Black Phone, what, like two days ago? Yeah, speaking of, uh, we can maybe tease our next episode. We'll be, uh, we might be talking about Black Phone. 
So, oh, yeah. I didn't look at the schedule. Yeah. But, yeah, we could talk about it because I watched it now. Yeah. Um, so and it's pretty good. Save it for the podcast. Okay. Right. Well, I'm not going to say more. <laughs> pretty good. Definitely go see it in the theater if you get a chance. Hell, yeah. Uh, uh, I also, I know I got you to start watching this, You're going to steal my recommendation? Okay, go you can. It. Have you finished the season? No, I haven't. Oh, I've my God. Make out already. I finished it last <laughs> night, and you won't be disappointed. Yeah. It just gets better and better. We're, of course, talking about the, the Hulu series, The Bear. The Bear. Uh, oh, Featuring oh. uh, Maddie Matheson <laughs> as a brief character not playing he's a, a chef, which I really like right, that. Uh, tinker. Exec um, produced by Hiro Murai, which I love. His, really? He's a great director. Yeah. yeah. Someone else posted um, on the Atlanta subreddit because oh, wow, he directs yeah. a bunch of those episodes. They're gotcha. like, if you like Atlanta, you should check out The Bear. It's, and that was like enough of a pitch yeah. that I was like, and it's, put it I, on the list. I can see that. I forget yeah. the actor's name, but it's who plays Lip Gallagher from and Shameless. Shameless. Yeah. Um, if you've ever worked in the service industry, you really, especially it. back of house, mm-hmm. you got to watch it. And it it really nails some of those relationships. Kind of what we were talking about. Like yeah. You're in the weeds, and mm-hmm. like there's a scene which you probably haven't gotten to yet, mm-hmm. where they are in the weeds, mm-hmm. and that comes out, and it's like that exact situation where like shit's hitting the fan but yeah ultimately yeah. it's not personal and it's so yeah. good like in the, the i've watched the first three episodes i think and the ones that i've seen it's just like it is you know it's about cooking and about the service industry and stuff this guy's trying to rescue a His like family. a chicago yeah like a family sandwich joint in chicago mm-hmm. and stuff and he also happens to be like a five-star michelin chef um yeah. but like he Who worked at noma yeah like, but <laughs> the other elements of like fucking i don't know it's just like the the realism of it and then also just like the structure of yeah. that show like it's just it's a beautiful show FX, I, man. I fucking love it man they yeah. do a lot of good stuff yeah it's good shit um besides that uh yeah man that was my one recommendation i wanted to just, just trying to steal it from you robbed yeah i know nice yeah, tyler oh, yeah uh, also dingus. yeah the was the new Gru movie minions uh, minions <laughs> rise of Gru the, Gru. the most memeable movie of at least the next oh, yeah. 24 hours there's been Jesus a few Christ. in the group chat so far yeah <laughs> well, i got you God thought on it. my instagram story <laughs> yeah. so I when, when i went to see black phone uh-huh. uh he minions rise of Gru was playing right next <laughs> in the theater next to it so i took a picture from my instagram story saying uh, nice little matinee showing on my day off and then <laughs> followed it with the, the black you were phone. watching black phone instead there's which also, i was like <laughs> i could see it there's also that one of like john ham like sitting in an empty movie theater with like tears in his eyes <laughs> and it's like me at the showing at the premiere of minions rise of Gru. <laughs> like, I, it's like caught on to gen z or something because the memes are all like younger like mm-hmm. t- like college age kids yeah. like wearing suits and picking each other up and going like getting kind of drunk and going to see this movie <laughs> yeah like i saw i saw this fun. bar still has a couple of great minions memes I mm-hmm. think they're being sponsored secretly, but they like. Probably. Are we talking about the minions? Right we now? are. Jesus yeah. We absolutely are. They this there's this video of this kid like picking up all his bros, like his frat bros, or whatever, and they're all wearing suits, and they all go, they to, go to a Denny's, and they premiere. try and eat as many minions meals as they can. <laughs> like respect. That sounds like some shit. And it's I would oddly do, like, specific. High school. It's like oddly specific. They're mm. like, they, we're gonna go to a Denny's, dress in a suit, mm. and eat minions meals until we puke. <laughs> I mean, something I'm only dudes can think yeah. of. Yeah. It's like such a dudes thing. <laughs> right, Do you want to go to Denny's and eat Minions? Get in the Hell car, yeah. guys. Yeah. Up, suit up. Yeah. 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 Um, have you seen anything, Daniel? Um, I saw Marcel the Shell with oh, yeah. shoes on. You didn't. You were out of town at the Oakland Film Festival, right? I was. I okay. was. That was the only reason I couldn't do it. Right. Um, I was very sad. I couldn't yeah. uh, catch any of that. But I, I did hear. I got invited to that screening, but they had another screening, a press screening before that. That um. Nice. That was good. I cried. Marcel Lachelle with shoes on. I had no idea what it was. And oh, Mary you hadn't Kate, heard of it before? I've never in my oh, life. Wow. And Mary like Kate was YouTube like, oh, or... we're just going to watch like the sketches? And I was like, what sketches? Yeah. Like, what's happening? 
and I did. I had no clue. Yeah, I had absolutely like no idea. Deep YouTube. It's been around right for a while. Yeah, yeah it yeah. took them a couple I mean, of years know, to put this thing together. I don't know yeah. what the like where it technically came from, but I just remember that getting shared. Yeah, because like, Jenny Slate was there at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shared, it like, started the, with her yeah. and her on YouTube husband getting shared between like me yeah. and friends. Yeah. And, like, or maybe early high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been a long round for a long I, time. I missed it or something, but yeah. uh, that movie's great. It's really, really good. The first it 30 looks minutes so is kind of like meet, get to know Marcel and his and his world, right. and then the next hour is a lot of like like things we should all watch and learn. It, mm. I, it was like like uh, like Land Before Time or something where you're just yeah. like sobbing at the end. You're like, I do care about this really cute animated character. I didn't plan to do this. That's that good shit. And That's... I'm a grown adult. Yeah. yeah. One of two PG movies that um, A24 has ever released. Oh, hmm. wow. What's, do you know what the other is? Uh, I don't. Actually, I don't off the top of my head. Just curious. But yeah. It's okay. I, it's thanks. okay. <laughs> I saw, so I saw Marcel Lachelle and then I'm living in like my dream TV land. We went on a streak because um, we caught up on Stranger Things. I've been traveling mm. for a lot. Oh, man. So we hey. caught up on Stranger Things. The new, new last episode's finally dropped. So that's what I'll be doing over the 4th yeah. of July long weekend. Uh, the Boys is doing Dude. an episode a week, which is not something you should watch on an airplane. <laughs> I watched. I watched an episode the, titled "Hero Gas." The disclaimer at the beginning of that episode. Especially not that episode. Yeah, yeah, the disclaimer at the beginning where they're like, uh, "Young children," and honestly, probably not anybody should watch or like. Yeah, you know, yeah. should be. Uh, it. Oh my god. Uh, the irreverence is uh, like uh, Amazon's in this phase where like it kind of like when Netflix made shows at the very beginning, like House of Cards, and you're like, "Can they do that?" Yeah. Amazon has like buku money and like no idea what works yet, so yeah. they're like, "What if we made a TV show with superheroes where they all like are insane, they fuck and do drugs, and like it's funny?" And Seth Rogen was like, "I have money, and I would watch this." <laughs> and Amazon was like, "Do Don't it. Don't worry about your money. We Bet. have money. Yeah. Bet. Okay. Yeah. So there. So that's happening weekly." Um, I think tonight is the last episode. Yeah. I've yeah. been waiting. Uh, um, no, well, it dropped. It's like it drops in the morning on Fridays. Okay. Um, and so oh, I out, don't yeah. know. But they dropped the first three, so it's felt so fast yeah. for a mm-hmm. weekly release. Yeah. Um, and then Peaky Blinders, the final season. Oh, shit. Dropped on Netflix. I didn't know you were yeah. a blinder. Mary-Kate and I, well, I've already seen I was all caught up. Mary-Kate mm-hmm. watched it when we had uh, quarantine for Omicron back in mm-hmm. January. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We like I just did a you massive got the rewatch. Rival. Nice, I did. Same. <laughs> we a lot of us all did. did actually. Yeah, um, I think we all got sick in that same time. Actually, yeah, probably from each other. That's but uh, so that season dropped no, mid June. So we no, watched six episodes of Peaky, and then on top of that, uh, Only Murders in the Building is releasing weekly. So I'm like yeah. in TV heaven season right two, now. Yeah. yeah, that's one. So I the issue that I generally have is that when I do get a chance to watch something that's my time yeah I, like yeah. i you watched have to be all careful. of the bear in two days um so that's like i'm waiting on the boys yeah i'm waiting on obi-wan to finish i'm waiting on really uh, Obi-Wan's I've all heard, done. i've is heard it? obi-wan okay, now you i'll could, start it yeah i've heard you could skip if you wanted it, obi-wan is like yeah I, I it's will a um, it. i'll give it a, a soft recommendation it definitely is like i'm a i don't know i'm a fucking star wars nerd i i mm. will eat that shit up and i like, don't begrudge the nerds their yeah their media, even if it's bad I'm but i want to be I, I don't know i just don't care enough you like it has to be good for me yeah exactly it's a little bit uh I mean, the thing is, like, these movies have been from kid, for kids from the beginning, yeah. and I always kind of watch them through that lens, and I get, you know, nostalgia boners for anything that comes out. Um, and this one, yeah, it's cartoony at times, but yeah. it does, you know, it, I think it hits all the points, and uh, it has a very satisfying, you know, 
there the, the conflict between Anakin and Obi Wan is yeah. is you know fleshed out and like demonstrated, and I it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, um, mm. it's not the greatest Star Wars piece of property that's ever been made, but it's yeah. you know it's, I'm not I'm not planning on putting it above anything else, but it yeah. will get watched at some point. Yeah, and if I'm, you're a completionist, yeah. then yeah, by all means, my fiance and I we're gonna watch Only Murders too because we love the first. I do. Season. Yeah, that one. The second season's off to a great start. Let me hell tell yeah, you. Hell yeah. There's a lot of like I didn't jokes know they were already about the being a second already. season. Nice. Because uh-huh. it's like the second Super season of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So the first episode is extremely. There's a lot of like deep meta jokes that I was uh-huh. like, this is community. Are we talking level about a show yeah. that talks comedy. about a show about podcasts? Yeah. Podcast about the, 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 talking about a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can go deeper. <laughs> Gotta go deeper. It's like James Cameron in yeah. Titanic. Or in uh, not in <laughs> South Nolan Park. In no, it's, it's uh, it's James Cameron in South Park. <laughs> okay, when they like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the boat has to go deeper. Yeah, like, we gotta go deeper. It's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go deeper. It's like James Cameron just yelling at people on South Park. So uh, yeah, I, I've been watching like a ton of TV. I'm trying to be a lazy couch potato. And then um, my my eyes. Uh, the next movie I'm excited for is, oof. I have. I mean, I I've like mixed feelings about Thor. I'm gonna go yeah. see it. I don't I, know I if will I also see it. Yeah, like yeah, I'll see it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, got that season pass, baby. Right, yeah, so and then see um, Fantasia Fest will happen in like mid August, which I'm not. I'm actually not doing press coverage for. I've decided. Because I kind of like having a little spare time, but they always have. Uh, there's some weird stuff will come out of that that I'll be oh, excited yeah. for. I will say one of the fun, like not weirder, but more interesting things that was at the Oak Cliff Film Festival this past weekend was uh, 32 Sounds. Did you hear about that? Uh-uh. Um, it's a big like. Spencer brought that up. Yeah, yeah. He, we saw it together. We were there uh, at the same time. Well, I didn't go. Yeah, so. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but it was a. Uh, Sounds like you dang. suck. <laughs> um, I didn't invite him there. We just ran into each other there. Uh, yeah, so he mentioned cool. he was going to yeah. yeah. But it was a, um, yeah, it's like a, like a documentary, like a documentary film about sound design, essentially, about oh, this cool. guy who's like a, you know, an audiophile and uh, various methods of recording. So it's one of those things where you go in and you wear headphones um, to make sure you get like full spatial audio experience. Um, Bless. And he talks about like, yeah, things from the artistry of, of like, you know, different um, sounds, you know, sound aholics and like you know sound artists and stuff yeah um to innovations in the technology and everything and it's it was just a really cool experience the sound designer mainly featured in that i think is the guy who did the sound design for men oh really yeah oh. i remember looking it up and then mm-hmm. telling spencer that i saw that mm-hmm. so either the sound designer or the composer huh. that's like the main feature is who uh, did the sound for men cool I didn't know that. Little tie back to it's raining men. Every time someone says men, I think of that song, and it's like deeply upsetting. Like if Alex Garland doesn't have men literally falling from the the sky, I will be very upset. Seems like a perfect punchline. Right. Um, Yeah, those are our recommendations, guys. Uh, So yeah, we kind of uh, talked about a minute ago, but I think for our next episode, because it's a new release and it looks really awesome, we're going to do Black Phone. Do it. Uh, So go check it out in theaters, and then Mm -hmm. come listen to us talk about it. Um, We're going to do that. Uh, If you guys haven't heard, we have an Instagram. It's uh, at Scary Sunday Scaries. Uh, There's a Patreon too. You can go give us money to buy new furniture for this dinky little office recording place. Uh, It's Patreon.com/slash Scary Sunday Scaries. If you want to follow us personally, I'm at Trav the Guy on Instagram. And I'm at Ty Mance. And I'm at DG underscore Pappas. Hell yeah. Awesome. I need a better Instagram name for yeah. start, if I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> That's fine. I'm I was at Poopus at one point because it was funny. Why did you get that That's, up? 
Great. Uh, I I have to be a working professional That's in, in a freelance back. field. Someone's gonna come back and be like, uh, "Sir, what is your Instagram <laughs> name? Poopus." Uh, but yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, hang out with us again next week. Uh, it was a fun time talking to you about this uh, this fucking movie. Here, I'll play us out. I'm not putting outro music. No, please don't. <laughs>